What's up, guys? It's Lisa A. Smith, and I am back with another solo episode. This is my third solo episode for 2020, and I did two in January. This is one for February. I am going to do a solo episode every single month this year for 2020. So we're three in so far. And so here's what I decided to do with these solo episodes. I'm going to actually name these solo episodes. And so essentially we're going to do a podcast within a podcast. So the only way that people will discover this podcast is by discovering the Black Health Academy podcast. I want the Black Health Academy podcast to stay exactly what it is, right? Um, if you are traditionally used to listening to the Black Health Academy podcast, then you know it's myself and my co-host Jay. And we delve deep into health. We delve deep into black history, black health history. And it's all about everything from plant-based nutrition to physical fitness to overcoming emotional eating to self-sabotage to self-awareness to personal development. And I want that to stay that. But what I don't want to do is do all the work of creating a whole nother platform for a new podcast. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a podcast within a podcast. So the name of my podcast, which is only going to be my solo episodes, is going to be Obedience. Okay. Because when I was thinking about the first two episodes that I recorded for 2020, the first was entitled Everything I've Accomplished in 2020, <laughs> and I recorded that on January 1st, 2020. And the second episode was entitled How I, How I Prioritize Pleasure. And you guys love both of those episodes. I got emails and feedback and comments and social media posts about both of those episodes. And I realized in both of those episodes that in one aspect or another, I was talking about being obedient. And so, and that's a word that I use a lot, but I also use it very, very intentionally. So I thought it would, um, naming this podcast obedience would be quite aptly named. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. So welcome to the third episode of obedience, um, on the black health Academy platform. And the only way somebody can discover this is if you tell them about it, or if they stumble up upon it by listening to one of our Black Health Academy episodes. So kind of dope. It's like a secret hideaway for a podcast, but also I ain't about to be posting <laughs> and creating a whole nother episode and I mean a whole nother platform for a whole new podcast. So we both winning. Okay. So this episode of the Obedience Podcast is actually entitled My Favorite Failures. My Favorite failures. And so what that what I'm going to be going over today is I'm going to be detailing for you guys four of my failures I've had in life and why they're my favorite, the lesson I've gotten from each one. So I'm going to give you both some personal and professional lessons today that I garnered from each one of these failures because sometimes from the outside looking in, it appears that someone may be knocking it out the park with everything they're doing, which they probably are, right? Um, I'm successful in a lot of what I do. However, that has not come without failures. And I'm using failure very loosely, um, and I'll go over that. But I want to share with you some things that could have been deemed failures um, in my um, professional career. These are all going to be business failures. Um, but they're, they all came with personal development lessons. So before we delve into these four failures, I'm, 
as always, going to tell you what I'm sipping on for this episode. So you guys know I am a tea junkie. Me and Jay are both tea junkies. And so for this episode, I am sipping on a herbal tea. I think it was the same tea I was sipping on in the last episode when I talked about how I prioritize pleasure. Um, and first of all, tea is one way that I prioritize pleasure. Tea every day, even in the summer. Um, but I love herbal teas. But here's here's the difference today. So number one. I like buying loose teas, right? And so loose teas, I used to only be able to drink them at home because I had the sifter where you just put the loose tea in like the metal holder and you put put it in your cup and it steeps. And then you have to take that metal holder out. And so if I was traveling and I wanted to go somewhere and take tea with me, I'm like, oh, my teacup wouldn't be tall enough for the, for the sifter to fit in there or... There was always a logistical nightmare trying to drink my loose tea on the go. And so I would still buy tea in a tea bag, like traditional tea tea bags, so that when I wanted to make a cup of tea to go, which is quite often, then I could just pull out a tea bag. However, silly me, like this problem could have been easily solved years ago. But I literally, guys, just bought tea bags off of Amazon, like empty tea bags to fill myself. So I bought a pack of 400 tea bags off of Amazon. And now I pour my loose tea into those tea bags. There's a little drawstring. You close it up. Boom. Tea bag on the go made with my own loose tea. So I have those tea bags now. So the tea that I'm sipping on this morning is my uh, herbal tea. But also in that same tea bag, I added another loose tea that I have that's called Butterfly Blue Pea, P-E-A. And it's an Ayurvedic herbal tea. And it's blue. It's made from a blue pea flower that's that's sourced from Thailand. This um, blue pea herbal tea was given to me as part of a gift package that um, was given to me by a gentleman in Windsor who I went to speak for his small group. So I'm the executive director of an organization called PBNSG. So at PBNSG, we have these small groups that meet every month for people who want to adopt a whole food plant-based diet. So he asked me to come speak. You know, he asked the executive director, can you come over to Windsor and speak to my group? I did. And to say thank you for that, he actually drove over to Detroit, dropped me off this big box full of these gifts. And one of those gifts was this loose tea. I, of course, had my tea in my hand when I was speaking at his event. And um, so he realized that I love tea and I thought that was very thoughtful. So it's a blue PT. I've mixed it with my um, herbal tea. My herbal tea has arubus, hibiscus, lemongrass, ginger, rose, hip, apple, sunflower, passion flower, raspberry, strawberry, kiwi, rose, and roseberry leaves, raspberry leaves. And that's the exact same one I was drinking on the last episode. So I've mixed these two together in a, in a tea bag. And then, and shout out to Jay for giving me this pro tip um she's like I, I we usually always put fresh ginger in our tea well i actually added fresh ginger into the tea bag with the loose tea y'all game changer <laughs> absolute game changer i was filling up the tea bag closing it up and then dropping the loose tea in the cup uh-uh no 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 now we put the fresh ginger in the tea bag with the loose tea and let it all steep together it's a beautiful thing anyway so i'll be taking intermittent pauses that sound like this to take a sip of tea okay because tea is life and it is my lovely assistant on these solo episodes um i'm drinking it out of my new one love jamaica cup 
just in Jamaica in January, had a phenomenal time. And of course I had to buy myself a teacup while I was there. Okay. So let's get into the episode. Super excited about this episode. I've been writing this episode for mm, several weeks, maybe, um, probably close to a month. So the way I decide on what to talk about on these solo episodes is usually I'm triggered by something in business and my personal life. I do a ton of personal development. And so usually something comes up and I'm triggered by it. And I would just, you know, whip out my phone, go to my notes and make a note about this needs to be a solo episode. And so that's what happened here. And so in this episode, again, is, is titled My Favorite Failures. And over the past month or so, I've been coming back to this note in my phone and adding bits and pieces to it. Um, but writing down the four failures that I wanted to go over was easy. That all happens in like one minute. And then I've been slowly extracting lessons from each one and made, making a note from uh, making a note of it for you guys. And so that's what you're going to hear today. So let's get into it. Um, you know, there's no accident that you're here on this podcast. I w- went to a yoga class on Sunday and my yoga instructor said, you, we're intuitively drawn to the things we need. We're intuitively drawn to the things we need. And I thought that was so spot on because this particular yoga class was focused on the sacral chakra, um, sacral, sacral, however you say it, chakra. Um, and that particular chakra, the color that goes with that chakra is orange. And so in the beginning, beginning of class, my yoga instructor, she... Um, drops essential oil into your hand to start off with some aromatherapy. So you a few drops of the orange oil into our hands. We rub it together. We take a deep, deep inhale. And I said, oh, man, that's so crazy. I've been burning orange oil at home all week in my um, humidifier, which doubles as a uh, oil diffuser. And she said, oh, that's because we're intuitively drawn to the things we need. I said, okay, boom, we'll sum that up, right? And so um, that's so accurate. And so I want you to know if you're listening to this episode right now, it's on purpose, right? You are intuitively drawn to this episode because there's something in it that I'm going to give you that you need it. And so keep that in mind that there are no accidents and we land where we land because there's something we're meant to get out of it. And so listen carefully as I go through these things that I'm going to share because there's something that's meant for you in here. Okay. All right. So my favorite failures, I'm going to do these in chronological order in which they happened in my life. Number one, Fit Camp 360, circa 2015. So I started my first company, Fit Camp 360, in July of 2015. I can't believe this July of 2020 will be five years since I started my first company. And when I started Fit Camp 360, my vision was this. I want to start a personal training company that is online only so it can cater to the demographic of people who can't stay committed to a personal trainer in person because their work schedule doesn't allow, their travel schedule doesn't allow, uh, their familial household makeup doesn't allow. Maybe they're a single parent and, you know, they can't always get a sitter. And so making another appointment on their schedule where where they have to be away from their family isn't realistic, right? So there's a host of reasons why somebody might want to participate in online personal training as opposed to in person. 
And so after working in a physical gym as a personal trainer and watching, you know, we, we had a lot of clients who were high performing professionals and these professionals were constantly having to cancel their sessions with me because they're like, listen, I'm traveling this week, this week for work, or I'm on vacation or my baby is sick. There was, you know, inevitably life happens. Right. And so when I decided to step out on my own and start my own company, it's like, okay, I'm going to start a personal training company. Now, before my company became a personal online personal training company, though, it was a meant to be a literal fit camp. So if you're wondering why the name, so the name registered is Fit Camp 360. And the reason it was called Fit Camp 360 is because I was going to have this camp that was going to be between eight to 10 weeks long. This was going to be a pop-up camp that would um, take place in various gyms. So I would literally basically lease space in fitness facilities to hold this camp. And this camp was going to involve three components, fitness, nutrition, and um, mindset. And throughout these eight to 10 weeks, I hadn't decided how long exactly it was going to be. Um, individuals were going to be taken through a rigorous workout regimen nutritional education, and then discipline and behavior change education about basically how to make sure your results stick and stay after completing the Fit Camp. And this Fit Camp 360 was going to travel across the United States and we were going to gain popularity and people would, we would bring business into people's fitness facilities once they heard Fit Camp 360 is coming to Dallas, Texas and <laughs> come register, you know, 30, 40 spots available, whatever. And so my um, pitch to these gyms was going to be, listen, this is a popular camp that people are going to be excited to do. And so it gives it gives your fitness facility some exposure. And then, of course, you know, we will be running the entire camp, but we would be using your space and the upsell would be at the end of the camp. They would maybe join your gym or whatever. And so, you know, that's kind of how I was going to craft the proposal to these <laughs> gym owners. Well, I, I'm using past tense because from that day to this one, I've never had a fit camp. Okay. <laughs> so Fit Camp 360, my actual first company that still exists today now we do business as professionally fit, but Fit Camp 360 was a failure. Fit Camp 360 literally never happened. I went to several gyms. I actually, you know, got under contract uh, two gyms that I was going to have the Fit Camp at. Um, I created the website. You know, I created the price, the pricing. I created. I, we had dates for when the first Fit Camp was going going to happen, um, and everything. But that never happened. We quickly pivoted it. And so what happened was um, I realized that it was a better fit. And I can't remember exactly how I came to this lesson or exactly how I realized it. But I realized it was a better fit for us to do online personal training. So quite early on in the business of FitCamp 360, we pivoted and became an online personal training company for the reasons I named earlier. Um, and now we've, we've since pivoted again and we're now, we now don't even do online personal training anymore. We're still under, we still do business as professionally fit, but now it's, we actually do 
in-person personal training, mobily, right? So without a brick and mortar. And we do uh, nutritional coaching heavily. So what's in a lot of personal development, life coaching, business coaching as well. So, but I want to talk about the first failure, which was Fit Camp 360, because professionally fit, the online personal training was not a failure. I did that for years successfully. Um, um, but I want to talk about the pivot here. So the lesson in Fit Camp 360, the actual Fit Camp being a failure is this. In business, we win by solving a problem in a different way or in the same way as our competitors before a different audience. I'm going to read the lesson again so you can catch it. The lesson I learned from Fit Camp 360 being a failure is this. In business, we win by solving a problem in a different way, or in the same way as our competitors, but for a different audience. So, Part of the reason that Fit Camp 360 was a failure is that we weren't solving a problem in a different way and we weren't targeting a different demographic, a different group of people that hadn't been targeted before. And so there was no demand for what we were offering with this Fit Camp per se. Um, and so the reason we quickly had to pivot, and, and I'm using we, but in the beginning it was totally just me. Um, but the reason I quickly had to pivot was because I recognized that personal training, it's very common, right? It was not new at all when I became a personal trainer. Old industry, right? Well, oldest in the 1950s. That wasn't the new thing. The new thing that I discovered, the problem that I discovered, though, was that there was a demographic, a group of people that an audience that was being ignored. And these were the high performing professionals or the very busy people who just could not afford necessarily another appointment on their calendar that they had to physically show up somewhere for. Right. And so the problem we solved by pivoting and becoming an online personal training company, as opposed to a traveling fitness camp was the, now these individuals who wanted all the benefits of having one-on-one -on -one customized personal training, you know, workouts built specifically for them to their needs and to their goals. Um, but they also needed to travel frequently for work or pleasure. They also, or maybe they didn't have a car, right? But that doesn't mean money was an issue. Um, or maybe, you know, they were in love with their personal trainer and then literally had to relocate and move permanently and wanted to retain their relationship with their personal trainer. And so um, I realized that this group of people, that problem had been solved for them. And so we create, I created um, Professionally Fit which was still called Fit Camp 360. I'll tell you why we pivoted to Professionally Fit. But we were still called Fit Camp 360 and I realized this is the problem I need to solve. And so I, when we were doing online personal training, I had clients literally throughout the entire U.S. Right. I had clients in New York. I had clients down south. I had clients on the West Coast. And it was beautiful because everybody was on their own time zone. And I had invested in a software where we build out their workouts. I bought the white label version of that software so I can put my brand and everything on it. So people could go to their app store and download literally my app and, you know, create a login and they could see the the uh, workouts that I specifically built for them. I literally would build workouts. So I would have a consultation with a client, um, get their needs, um, figure out what all of their 
um, limitations were like, oh, I've had knee surgery or I have chronic, you know, issues with my shoulders. And so I will be, it will literally customize workouts just like we were in person. I'm like, oh, this person has knee issues. So I won't have them doing lunges or I won't have them jumping. Right. So I would tell them, no, when I build your workout, it's going to be, um, low impact, you know, easy on the joints or, okay, we need to work on your flexibility. Um, we need to work on your endurance. So I will build your workouts for higher reps and lower weight. Right. Um, and so, so that it was very legit when it was person when I say personal training there was no cookie cutter there weren't any um you know there wasn't a pile of workouts that I was pulling from and just recycling and adding a different name to them I would really take it very serious and make sure I was building each person's workout based on their needs and they knew that you know and we would I would pair that with uh weekly coaching calls so not only was I building their workouts that they could access right from the app in their phone and be at any gym in the world they wanted to be in and do their workout from their personal trainer but then they would also talk to me one-on-one -on -one each week and that's where I would bring in the nutrition part right and that's where I would coach them on their nutrition and that's where I would ask them about the workouts I built for them. Hey, you know, did this, what did or didn't you like about this workout? Oh my God, this workout was so good. I'm noticing my pushups are getting so much better. My endurance was better. I had less recovery time this time around and we would literally progress together each week, right? So in doing this online personal training company, the problem I was solving again was for a specific audience. So I wasn't solving the issue of people needing per personal training. I was solving a way in which it was delivered um, that was <clears throat> much a much better fit for this demographic of people who were deemed hyper-performing professionals or just not mobile or didn't want to be mobile or whatever it was, right? And so that is the lesson I learned is that with the Fit Camp, I wasn't solving a problem or I wasn't solving a problem for a new audience that had been traditionally ignored. Um, and now what I've now since learning that lesson, that was like one of my first lessons in entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship that's one of the ways I beta test the idea that I have in my head, I say, okay, Lisa, you think this is a great idea, right? You think that this thing that you want to do, this thing you want to build, whether it be a physical product or whether it be um, a service, the very first question I say is what problem is it solving or for whom? Okay. So that's the very first lesson. Same thing. That's the way the Black Health Academy was born. My second company that I started in October of 2017, the Black Health Academy was born because there is this demographic of people that are traditionally ignored in the health and wellness space, specifically with regard to plant-based nutrition though. So the Black Health Academy was born because number one, we perish disproportionately from things that are preventable and reversible. And using plant-based nutrition as a viable treatment plan has not necessarily um, been made available to us as it has been made readily available available to many other audiences and demographics. So don't get me wrong, like black people historically, uh, culturally, we have plant-based nutrition uh, throughout our history. You know, over in, you know, maybe whether it be the Caribbean, whether it be Africa, wherever. However, here in America specifically, um, 
because we don't have representation in the plant-based world, you can you look up plant-based doctors and all the pioneers in plant-based medicine, and 99.9% of them are going to be white males. And so because of that, they're not talking to us. Our, their audiences don't look like us, right? Um, and so we're still going to the doctor and being prescribed drugs as opposed to plants. And so the Black Health Academy was born to solve that problem for this particular audience. So again, I use the same litmus test for every company or idea I have. I wrote the plant-based foodie, my recipe book. Why? Because every time I tried to introduce plant-based nutrition to my people, a lot of the kickback I would get would be, well, I'm a foodie. I, um, I like variety. I love food too much to be plant-based, right? Um, I could never do that because, you know, I eat I love eating everything and I love, so I'm like, no, you can be a foodie and be plant-based. And so the plant-based foodie was born, again, solving a problem. And so now when I speak and I go lecture for an hour or two about plant-based nutrition and inevitably somebody says, I'm a foodie, I like variety, there's no, there's going to be, if I give up meat and dairy and sugar, there's not going to be anything left for me to eat. And I, and instantly they present that perceived problem and I present their solution, i.e. stop at my table on the way out and grab a copy of the plant-based foodie recipe book, right? You said you had a problem. I created the solution. So that is the first lesson. And that is the biggest lesson I learned from Fit Camp 360 being a failure is that Lisa, you were never going to be successful because you were never solving a problem. You just had what you thought was a great idea. Failure number two. <laughs> Okay, so my second failure that um, I had that I have drawn a huge lessons from is Detroit Fit Mob. So this is circa 2016, and Detroit Fit Mob was Detroit's first fitness flash mob that I did with my girls, Jay, that you know from the Black Health Academy podcast, and then with our girl, Tiff that you probably heard us mention several times on the Black Health Academy podcast, and she's been a guest a couple of times as well. So Detroit Fit Mob, I started in, I believe it was 2016. Yeah, it was 2016. I started Detroit Fit Mob. And this was not a company. It was more of an, you know, like a community initiative to bring awareness to physical fitness. And so what Detroit Fit Mob was, was it was... An event you can find on like any an event site. Like so we had it on e uh, Eventbrite. And what you would do, it would say Detroit Fit Mob. We had a monthly fitness flash mob. So we only had one. It was it was monthly and it was seasonal. So we wouldn't do Detroit Fit Mob in the winter and the colder months. So it was monthly and it was seasonal. And it was the fitness flash mob. So you will you will see Detroit Fit Mob on uh, Eventbrite. And it would be like we mobbing out you know, on May 14th, right? And so you will register for the Fit Mob. But the deal was you wouldn't know where we were mobbing until 48 hours before the event as to not ruin the surprise factor. And so you will register and always, you know, completely free. I never charge for this. So you will register like, yeah, I want to do the Fit Mob on May 14th. And so we will give you a ballpark area so you'll know kind of and make sure it was, you know, within your driving range. And so we will say, you know, we're mobbing downtown Detroit 
on May 14th, but of course we wouldn't tell you exactly where, right? Okay, so you would register 48 hours before the event. You would get an email saying, hey, thank you for registering for Detroit Fit Mob for May. We're going to meet on the corner. Um, uh, you were going to meet in campus marshes in front of the fountain at 3 PM, wear workout clothes. Here's what you can expect. And so the vision was, um, which we executed, the vision was all these people who have registered shows up at campus marshes in front of the fountain on May 14th at 3 PM. And we would literally, so we would have signs made and, and also we told you what color to wear, right? So our colors for Detroit Fit Mob were like the colors of the Detroit Tigers. So it was like orange and blue. And so we would say, wear the Detroit Tiger colors, orange and blue, fitness flash mob going down. So all these people show up in front of the fountain wearing these Detroit Tiger colors. We had signs, we had a bullhorn. And so we would chant. Detroit fit mob and we would and then of course so we're on this bullhorn yelling Detroit fit mob and people sitting around dining or reading a book <laughs> in the in the park or whatever would turn around like what's all that noise and we would always you know we would be like Detroit fit mob and and one person will lead the workout. So me, Jay, and Tiff, all certified personal trainers, one of us will lead the workout. So we would jump in front of the crowd and start doing the workout and the audience would just follow along like a group fitness, like it was group X, right? So it was group exercise and we would lead the workout. And then we would do, we, we told people ahead of time, like be prepared for about a 30 minute workout because we would do a small workout in one location. Then we would walk like a block or two and flash them again, Detroit fit mob. And we would, you know, do another workout on that corner. And so it'll be, it's a mix of like working out, walking, yelling, <laughs> high-fiving. Like we like high energy, bring your kids, bring your, you know, your, your mates. We want to see men too. So we had men, we had, um, somebody rolling a, uh, a speaker. <laughs> wow. This was intense. What a, what a walk down memory lane. So we would have a big speaker playing music, bullhorn yelling Detroit fit mob. We had Jay's son holding up this big white sign that said Detroit fit mob with the website on it, DetroitFitMob.com, And it was, the Detroit's first fitness flash mob. So I think it was in 2017 um, at the end of that season where I told Jay and Tiff, I am no longer doing the Detroit fit mob. Um, we're going to shut it down. And that was because I was getting fed up with people registering and not showing up. So we would have people register, 50, 60 people register for the fitness flash mob. And maybe only a few of them would show up. And I'm like, we can't have a fitness flash mob without a mob, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, you know, show up, have fun. It's a free workout, literally a free workout led by certified personal trainers. If you love group fitness, group exercise, then you get to do it like on the street, in the sun, fresh air, with a bunch of people, high energy music. I thought it was just so exciting, right? And so this fitness flash mob, but I ended up shutting it down. So we did do it successfully for a season or two. And, um, but I ended up shutting it down because I felt like my vision in my head, I wasn't seeing that in, in real life. And here was the lesson in this failure. And that is, you have to sell 
the solution versus selling the method you use to get them there. So in business, if you want people to show up for your event, or if you want people to buy your product, if you want people to buy your service, if you want people to, um, if you want people to support and give to your nonprofit, then you have to sell the problem you're solving for them. You have to sell the solution, not the method you're using to get them there. Okay. So here's what I mean by that. Most people don't necessarily want to exercise more. They want to lose weight. They want to have more energy. They want to have more agility. They want to have more endurance. They want to have more strength. People don't want to give up cheese. People don't want to necessarily give up dairy, right? So I shouldn't spend, you know, five to 10 minutes out of this nutritional coaching session telling people that my program is so good because it's going to get you to give up cheese. It's going to get you to give up dairy. My personal training or my fitness flash mob is so amazing because it's going to get you exercising more. It's going, you know, to get you, it's going to teach you all the proper forms to doing a squat and a lunge and a chest press. No, nobody wants to know that. (laughs) Nobody wants to exercise more. Nobody wants to give up cheese and dairy. Cheese is delicious. But what they do want is a body that they're confident in. They do want um, strength. They do want uh, agility. They do want to completely get rid of the debilitating cramps that they have every month. They do want to get rid of all that extra phlegm and mucus in their head and in their chest. Um, They do want to get rid of sinuses and allergies. They do want to get rid of, you know, the inflammation and the knee pain, right? And so what I did wrong potentially with the fitness flash mob is I tried to get people to come for exercise when I should have got them to come for a gateway to a healthier life. And I should have spelled out in detail why this was one of the ways they would get there. So I tried to sell them on the method, i.e. a fitness flash mob, when I should have been selling them on the talking more about the results, right? And what those results, how it was going to solve the thing or give them the thing they were desiring to get. So somebody comes to me, I have cramps so bad every month that I have to take medication for it and I have to take a day off of work, right? So I don't need to tell them that my method for helping them to get rid of the cramps is by having them give up cheese. They're going to find that out, but I need to tell them how the strategies I'm going to provide them with are, are going to add days literally back into their month where they don't have to spend in bed because they're not in pain. It's going to prevent them from, you know, suffering from any of the side effects of taking those drugs. That's what they want to hear. I'm going to save them money by making sure they can go to work, um, by not missing days of work from debilitating cramps. Now, if I start the conversation talking about that, they're in, they're daydreaming about this, right? They're daydreaming about, you know, that time of the month where they're no longer in pain. They're daydreaming about slipping on that dress that they thought they would never fit anymore. They're daydreaming about, you know, their um, love life, their, the intimacy with their mate being much more pleasurable as it was when they first met because now they're no longer insecure about their body, right? And they feel like their mate is attracted to them again. And if the way they can get that is by coming to a fitness flash mob, then honey, sign me up. 
right? So the lesson, the lesson here with this particular failure again is that it's so important to sell the problem you're solving and put more emphasis and conversation into the solution and what that solution will provide to the end user as opposed to the method you're going to use to get them there. I'm telling you, I'm going to help. I'm going to reverse your type two diabetes. You're going to be off of metformin. You will no longer have to test your blood sugar, you know, every day or go to the doctor every three months to manage your type two diabetes. I, I am well versed and well skilled in helping people reverse type two diabetes. And imagine what your life will be be like if, you know, you had blood circulation again and you didn't have numbness in your body and you didn't have dizzy spells and lightheadedness from your blood sugar jumping all over the place. And they're like, man, that would be amazing. I remember what my life was like before I had type two diabetes. And then I'm like, oh, but the method I'm going to use to get you there is a plant based diet. It sounds more. It sounds more like, you know what? It's shoot, you done already sold me on the dream. I don't I really couldn't care what method you had said after we got done daydreaming for 10 minutes about how sweet my life would look if I was able to accomplish the one thing I've been daydreaming about on my own, right? And so remember as you position your products, your services, your business, yourself that um, you're putting emphasis on what the client wants versus putting the em- emphasis on the brilliance and genius of what you've created. <laughs> Don't be like me. Okay. All right. Sips tea. Okay. So two failures down, two to go. Okay. Failure number three. Now, failure number three comes in the form of a third business I tried to start called B-Box. <laughs> Another sip of tea. So B-Box is circa 2016, 2017. And this was a subscription box company that I started. And I got the idea from B-Box uh, because and B-Box is spelled B-E, capital B-E, capital B. OX, right? Super dope. I still love the name, by the way. And um, B-Box got its, uh, the the idea came from, this was a time in my life where I had really started going hard on personal development, right? And I started going so hard on personal development and I was learning all these amazing things about like neuroscience and how the brain works and and the importance of um, manifesting your destiny and, you know, meditation and all of these healthy things that we do to be better people. So it was all about, you know, self-enhancement, personal development. It, 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 I was just like in that zone and I'm still in that zone heavily, but I was just discovering it. So I was like a kid with a new toy, man. I'm like, man, this is amazing. Right. Um, and so I was super excited about B-Box and I decided to start a whole company about it, right? Um, And I absolutely loved this, I absolutely loved this vision. So let me tell you what the idea was. Um, I'll tell you what our mission was. Our mission 
reads like this. Our mission with B-Box is to enhance your emotional and psychological fitness through mindfulness and intentional self-development. And I crafted this box and I craft, I crafted um, everything that would go in the box, right? So I literally curated this box and every item that was in this box was very intentional. And this was going to be a monthly subscription box and every month was going to be dedicated to a certain area in your life. So one month might be dedicated to your health. Another month might be dedicated to your finances. Another month is going to be dedicated to something else. And so every month there was a theme, obviously, for each box. And the things that you received in that B box for that month would determine, uh, will be based upon what the theme is for that month. Okay. And I, when I got this idea, so I have this beautiful habit. I don't know if it's a gift or a curse, but I have, I totally have a habit of, um, once I have an idea for something, I immediately go out and figure out how to get educated, to learn more on how to, to do the thing. So what I did immediately after deciding that I'm going to start this third company. Now at that time, it would have been my second company. I have two companies now, but B-Box was technically my second company that, that never really happened. Um, but so I was going to start the second company and, but before I can do it, I was like, I need to know more about entrepreneurship. Now, mind you, I had already started Fit Camp 360. So I was well into over a year of running Fit, Fit Camp 360, doing personal training, very successful. But the reason I decided to go take an entrepreneur course was because I this was my first company that was going to be a physical product. And because I had never started a company that was a that had a physical product, I wanted to make sure that I knew exactly what I was doing as far as manufacturing a physical product. So I joined a course at Build Institute here in Detroit and the name of the course was Co-Starters. So I took a course called Co-Starters and it was all about entrepreneurship. And um, I think I was one of the few people in class who already had a business. So most of these people, the business that they were working on in this course was their first business. And so here I am, um, no chip on my shoulder or anything, you know, still like there, like I want to learn everything I can. I want to be the best I can be. This is my first company that is all about, um, that is all about uh, all, excuse me, entails a physical product. So, uh, just to kind of give you an example, cause I, I pulled up here what all was going in the first box. Um, so first thing I had was a fit happens, fitness, nutrition, and mindset journal. And it was called fit happens. Um, custom branded coffee tea mug. So literally a, a tea mug, cause you know, tea is life. Um, that had the B-Box logo on it and B-Box saying on it. Custom branded ink pen with a velvet sleeve. Two Kuzmi wellness tea bags. So the Kuzmi is a brand of tea that I like. Um, one microfiber cooling towel. So this is for, um, when you work out. So it's a towel when you sweat, it literally is a cooling towel. You wipe yourself off and it cools you down. Um, one box of Zen meditation incense, um, custom branded I am affirmation post-its. So it's like these post-its that I got like customized and like in the background of the post-it, it says I am, and then you would write your affirmation on there. Um, and then exclusive access to my five day personal development course. So I actually sat down and recorded an entire course called sci-fi, which I have now, now that, that I now use in farm to table, um, uh, shout out to recycling content, but I created, I sat down and created an audio course 
called Sci-Fi, which stands for Psychological Fitness. So it's it's spelled P-S-Y-F-I. And if you are a member of the Black Health Academy, you see we have a um, a school inside the Black Health Academy called Sci-Fi. Again, same recycling content. Like it's still relevant today, even though uh, it never made it into B-Box. But Sci-Fi, Psychological Fitness. And so... I literally curated these boxes with all of these things. The biggest and most expensive thing in the box was the sci-fi course, right? And that was um, the best because it's a five-day course in psychological fitness. And I recorded these audio lessons and you listen to them and you basically get your life. So this was B-Box. And I was like, okay, I'm about to make I went online I, or I created literally created custom boxes so I designed these boxes that were beautiful these these big deep boxes and I put all the stuff I just named in the box and then I created this custom thick super thick postcard that was their invitation to um, sci-fi and so on the custom postcard I literally printed each person's name on the postcard with the website to go enroll in the course because the course came with the box, right? And so you have all the information you need, the, the codes that you're going to use once you get on the website to enroll in the sci-fi course, the, the, the psychological fitness course. So I had tissue paper in there, had a personal note from, from me about how proud of them I, I was and, you know, for investing in their, you know, professional personal development and, you know, self-enhancement. And, you know, I had all this beautiful font and the colors were like a lavender and gray. And um, I had the website, I had the social media pages. Um, but then after taking the co-starters course, so graduated from the co-starters course at Bill Institute, still like, boy, this, this subscription box company is about to be off the hook. And so I did, I even did a case study when I was in the course and I studied a subscription box company out of Chicago. Um, she's still in business today, actually. And she has, um, a hair, it's, um, it's a hair subscription, subscription box. And I actually booked a call with her. I sought her out, the founder of this company, booked a call with her and interviewed her about what it takes to run a subscription box company. Because not only did I have to get get educated on how to run a, a company where the main product was a physical product, because, you know, traditionally I have been doing just services, but I had to get educated on how to run a company that had a physical product. And then I had to even more specifically get educated on how to run a prescription box company because that's a whole nother industry. Like, as you guys know, you know, prescription boxes have really taken off in the last several years. And so, you know, there was a there's like template websites and things that you can purchase. Like if you have a prescription box company, use this, you know, website, use our templates, blah, 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 plug and play. Um, there's certain, you know, software and payment systems that I needed so people could subscribe to the box monthly so I could ship it to them. And then we had to get into what it costs to ship. What if you're, you know, subscribe to the box and you're in California, was I going to do international shipping? You know, how much would shipping be for each box? So it's all of this. And then moreover, how do I curate the boxes each month? I constantly had to I constantly had to um, 
make sure that I was sourcing products. That was so much work because I'm like, okay, this is going to go in this fitness box. But next month, the box is going to be about, you know, confidence. And so what am I going to put in a box about confidence? So every day I'm thinking, okay, I got to source these products. And when I'm going to order the products from and how can I get them, you know, as inexpensive as possible so I can make money off of this B-Box. So there was so much work. Okay. And I was sometimes overwhelmed with how much work this was going to be. And so when I graduated from the co-starters course, I all of a sudden decided to pivot again and not make B-Box a company on its own. So B-Box never truly became a company. I did curate one box though, but it never became a true company. And here was the lesson from this failure. It ain't got to be hard. The level of difficulty is not a determinant of the amount of success you'll have. Again, the lesson from B-Box failing is this. It ain't got to be hard. We have to get rid of our sophistication bias. Our sophistication bias tells us that for something to be successful or to be good for us or to give us the results we want to get, it has to be difficult or highly sophisticated to execute. So again, the level of difficulty is not a determinant of the amount of success you'll have. So while the idea of curating a custom box for my company was a brilliant idea, I decided instead of making it a a company all on its own, I said, why don't I just have as a box for Fit Camp 360. Ding, 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 ding. So, how did I pivot? Just like in 2015 when I pivoted the Fit Camp into an online personal training company, I pivoted B Box into a welcome box for new clients at Fit Camp 360. So, I was like, listen, I love the idea of this subscription box. I absolutely enjoyed curating the box. I enjoyed, um, I enjoy designing the box like aesthetically. It was just like so dope. And so I I enjoy the idea of, you know, sending out this box and me. I could literally see people in my mind like getting the box in the mail. First of all, everybody loves receiving packages. So they're excited because a package came from them and they're opening the box and the unveiling of it and the tissue paper and it smelled good because the incense was in there. And I'm like, oh, it's just going to excite all of their senses, the smell, the sight, blah, blah, blah. It's just going to, the touch, it's going to be amazing. And I was like, okay, I want to keep all of that, but I don't want to start a new company and I don't necessarily want to curate a box every month. So what did I do? I decided that new clients at FitCamp360 will get a box in the mail with all the things I just named because they were all around fitness. Now, what made it even sweeter was that they would not know they're getting this box. So here's how it worked. People would sign up to become a client of FitCamp360 and they would be getting all of the services we provide, the personal training, the nutritional coaching, and the personal development. And then once they signed up, 
um, they would literally like within a week get a package in the mail from us. And it's this huge box with all of these things in it. The tea, the incense, the fitness journal, the cooling towel, um, the ink pen, and still the postcard to go enroll in sci-fi psychological fitness. And so at, at, at Professionally Fit or at that time Fit Camp 360 with the online personal training, we offered um, the focus was still on all three of those things that were going to be in the fitness camp. They were just all online now. So we put just as much emphasis in nutrition and psychological development as we did in physical fitness. And so the entire box still made sense for Fit Camp 360. So I'm like, Lise, why would you create a whole nother company when you could just use this box in your current company and it adds in the act? excuse me, adds an extra layer of service. It adds an, a, another touch to your customer's experience by receiving this box in a mail completely unexpected. So people would, you know, we would get on our first coaching call and they would be like, oh my God, like, I can't believe this, but like, it's so dope. And they would be like, thank you so much. Cause I would write a hand, you know, a note in there, like, welcome to Fit Camp 360. You know, we, I'm excited to work with you. Here's, you know, a welcome package to get you started. And I'm like, dang, I was about to be doing this every month driving myself crazy, spending all this money trying to curate these boxes. And it simply was not necessary. So all the things I learned in co-starters course, that was not a bust because all the things I learned about, you know, running a, a, a product based business still applied because now I had a product. All the things I learned about a prescription box business, uh, much of that still applied. Um, and so the, the second lesson here in this failure is this, um, just like people, a good idea may be in the wrong position. A talented or gifted person doesn't need to be let go if they're not excelling at the job. They just need to be repositioned. And so in my case, I had a great idea. And although this idea wasn't going to be successful as a company, it was perfect when I repositioned it into my current company. So think about the ideas you may have, the things that you have uh, historically written off because it wouldn't work in the way in which you envisioned it. How can you, again, recycle some of that content or products or pivot and make it work in a current um, project or company or idea you have, right? Um, because if it's still good, it's still good, right? And so I think sometimes, I think I talked about in how I prioritize pleasure in that episode. I talked about how, you know, sometimes it's not that we need to find a new job if we hate our job. We just need to be repositioned in our current job. And so the same thing goes for your ideas or uh, business ideas that you've had in the past. If you had an idea for a business and it wouldn't work in that way, how else might it work if you are indeed solving a problem or solving it for a particular audience? And so that's what that was the biggest lessons I learned from B-Box. The level of difficulty is simply not a determinant of the amount of success you'll have. Okay. Fourth and final failure. Y'all ready? We trudging right along here. We're coming up on 54 minutes. Um, so this is the last lesson. Sips tea. Okay. So... 
the last lesson. Oh, let me tell you guys the um before I move into the last lesson, I have to tell you guys the tagline at Bbox. So Bbox, um, I told you it was spelled B-E-B-O-X, and the tagline was believe it's possible, be inspired to take action, be relentless in your pursuit of greatness. Bbox. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Believe it is possible. Be inspired to take action and be relentless in your pursuit of greatness. Anyway, I got to really start recycling and using this content somewhere else. Maybe we have a BT shirt or something. I don't know. Because listen, every year, like, so this is how big my vision was for B-Box. Like, this was going to be a whole, whole company. Like, so we had the monthly subscription box. And then I was like, ooh, we're going to have an annual conference called, you know, Beacon. <laughs> That awesome so the annual conference was going to be bcon and so we're going to have the uh, you know the b conference every year i might bring this back because i'm getting excited again and you know it's again a whole company simply dedicated to personal development and self-enhancement you know so how can you you know be a better person um, by changing the way you think and how and the actions you take on what you think anyway dope okay so Final failure. Let's get into it. My final failure that I want to talk about today is medical school. So in 2016, I decided to become a medical doctor. And so I decided to enroll at Wayne State University here in Detroit and as, as a pre-med student. So my other degrees are in psychology. I have a bachelor's in psychology uh, with a minor in business. And then I also have a MBA. So I have a master's in business administration. So in psychology and in business, there aren't many science classes, right? Like, you know, well, with psychology, it's a social science, but, you know, I didn't need chemistry, right? I didn't need biology. So when I decided to return to school and the last degree that I success successfully got was in 2018. So I got my, I mean, 2008, excuse me. So I got my master's degree in 2008. And so here I am in my mid thirties. I think I was like 34 or something at the time, deciding that I wanted to become a medical doctor. Now, most people, um, a lot of people who become medical doctors know that they're going to be a doctor pretty much. So when they complete high school, they go into college thinking doctor, they go, you know, into pre-med thinking doctor. And so most doctors are doing their residency in their 20s. Here I am in my mid-30s deciding I wanted to be a medical doctor, having not a lick of a chemistry, biology, anatomy, any of that stuff um, under my belt. So I had to be pre-med just so I can take all of those prerequisites before I could even qualify to apply at somebody's med school. So in my mid-30s, I just have to set the stage for you guys. When I decided to become a medical doctor, I'm easily looking at 10 years, right? So I'm like, okay, cool. By the time I'm at 45 or so, I'll, you know, be done because I got to do pre-med. Then I got to go through medical school and yeah, I got to do residency, all this stuff, even though you're technically a doctor at residency. But the reason it was going to really take me extra long because clearly I'm a high aspiring person. I was like, I'm going to be a surgeon. <laughs> yeah, y'all. I thought I was about to be a surgeon in my mid thirties. Um, so I was like, I'm going to be a surgeon and that's going to be my specialty because when you decide to become a doctor, you can decide to be like a general practitioner or you can, um, you can pick, 
you know, a specialty. Like, oh, I want to go into anesthesiology or, you know, I want to go into, you know, uh, ENT, ear, nose and throat or whatever, you know, so you want to be an eye doctor, ophthalmologist, whatever. So I was like, nope, surgeon, going to be a surgeon. It ain't many black surgeons. We about to shock the world. And um, so that's what I decided to do. So in 2016, I enrolled at, I applied to Wayne State Medical School, got accepted and began classes. And so I did classes at Wayne State pre-med for two years, all the way through um, to the end of 2018. And, um, so I was literally running my business full time, running fit camp 360, all whilst driving to Wayne state every day and taking classes in like serious stuff, not like English one-on-one, but I'm talking organic chemistry. (laughs) I'm talking biology. Like I'm taking like some serious class. I'm getting tutors and I'm on campus, like studying, like in study groups with people who are 10 years younger than me or more. So here I am in my mid thirties and they're fresh out of high school. So they're 20. Oh, I just turned 20. I'm 19. Right. And so it was culture shock for so many reasons. Number one, um, there's just simply not a lot of people of color in medical school in these classes like organic chemistry and pre-med, pre-med should I say. And then there's also um, not a lot of people my age <laughs> just now doing this. And because I, you know, was a, I'm, a, I'm a full-time entrepreneur, because I had the flexibility of taking a class at 11 o'clock in the morning, I, there really weren't any older people in there because I was taking daytime classes. And so I'm taking a class at 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the afternoon. And so everybody that mostly everybody that I was in school with were full-time students. Meanwhile, I'm a full-time entrepreneur with, you know, trying to keep my head above water with business and all this stuff. And so here I am deciding to go to medical school. And even now, some people listen to um, some of our old podcast episodes and the Black Health Academy, and I was in school at the time, and so I'm talking about it. So just one of my Farm to Table students the other day was like, oh, you're not still in school? And I was like, no, I'm not. But let me explain why, okay? So I stopped going to pre-med at Wayne State in December of 2018, and it's because I became too busy. So while I was in pre-med is when I started the Black Health Academy. So here I am. I already have what was is now professionally fit. We The name pivoted because we decided to target high-performing um, Black female entrepreneurs. So the name changed to professionally fit. And then I started the Black Health Academy in 2017. So I'm like, I got to get the Black Health Academy off the ground. We're going to grow this thing. We're going to be offering these free nutrition classes. I want to travel. I want the Black Health Academy to have a presence at all of these prestigious um, conferences and symposiums that are centered around black people. And I want and more importantly, my speaking career was taken off. So from speaking to running two companies, it became a lot. And I mean a lot. And so... At the top of 2019, I was like, I'm not going to school for the winter semester. I'm going to take a semester off um, and I'm going to pick it back up. And so what happened was, is I got an offer in 2018. I, uh, no, that offer didn't come to 2019. So, so here's, okay, so let me get to the nitty gritty. Here's the deal. 
The reason I decided that I wanted to go pre-med, there's, there's two reasons. Number one was because a lot of my clients, when I was teaching nutrition, they would say, but my doctor said I need to eat meat or eat yogurt for this reason, for these health reasons. And I felt like, I felt inferior. I felt like I could never compete with, but my doctor said. So in my mind, the only solution to competing with that statement was to become the doctor. Okay. The second reason I decided to become a doctor is because in the plant-based nutrition world, as I'm, as my speaking career is growing and I'm getting booked for speaking gigs, I realized that I don't have these credentials after my name. So a lot of the plant-based doctors that I learn from and that I study, whose books I've read, whose lectures I go to, who are speaking at these big veg fests that I go to across the country, they're all doctors. They are doctors or they're like super credentialed. And I'm like, I need to be on these big stages speaking about plant-based nutrition. Now, I would go to these lectures and because I read, I study, you know, you guys know I'm like high achieving as far as aspiring to know everything I can about my industry. I would listen to these doctors and I would know the stuff they're talking about, right? Like they're talking about, you know, type 2 diabetes as an intracellular lipid disease and how, you know, the pancreas works and, you know, what our stress hormones are and how the thyroid works. I would know this stuff as they're talking it, but I'm like, me knowing it, it I'm not going to be able to provide any proof that I know this stuff unless I have these letters behind my name, which means I'll never get on the stages they're on, which means my people will never see me in the high office. It's like, it's like Barack and Michelle being in the White House. Like, we need black people who are, we need people of color who are in the high seat. Like, it's totally okay to be a community activist. It's totally okay, you know, to do the work in your in your own backyard. We definitely need those grassroots people, but that is not my vision for myself. I was like, no, I need to be on the stages, you know, with my name in lights, literally with thousands of people, hundreds of people, whatever, in the audience. I'm not talking about no 40-person nutrition class. I will continue to do those forever, but I also need to be positioned in the spotlight at a high level, right next to all of these doctors that are speaking. Because when they're speaking, they're speaking to their people. There's nobody up there with them speaking to my people. So therefore, I'm going to go get their credentials so that I will have a seat at their table. You probably already caught the lesson, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to you in, in plain words. I was going to medical school to become a doctor for everybody's reasons other than my own. I've never aspired to be a doctor. It never even crossed my mind. I'm not even attracted to medicine. It's not. I was strictly doing it so that I could feel worthy of standing on the stages and sitting in the seats that these white doctors were standing on and sitting in. Okay. This is where I learned the life lesson about life expectancy. Here's the lesson in this failure. Operate in obedience and a butler will appear and position you to where you want to be. I'm going to say it again and then I'm going to explain it. The lesson in this failure is this. Always operate in obedience and a butler will appear and position you to where you want to be. 
here's what I mean. My favorite motivational speaker is the number one motivational speaker in the world, Dr. Eric Thomas, also known as E.T. the Hip Hop Preacher. I love E.T. I think he speaks brilliantly. I think his messages are always so organic and genuine and make so much sense. I can relate. I absolutely love Dr. Eric Thomas. So last year, I went to go see him live in Chicago with a couple of friends, and he said something that triggered this lesson for me. And Dr. Eric Thomas said, everyone needs a butler. A butler is someone who opens doors for you. Okay. It's someone who opens doors for you. And what happened was I wanted to be on these stages with these white doctors who were teaching my people. And I felt like my people should be taught by their own people. However, I felt like I couldn't do it unless I had their credentials and their titles and their experience. So I became disobedient, stepped out of my gift of speaking and teaching and coaching and tried to step into medicine. Okay. So I was disobedient. However, after I got back in alignment and stopped going to school, less than a year later, eight months to be exact in August, the founder of an organization called the Plant-Based Nutrition Support Group, also known as PBNSG, the founder of that organization asked me during a Zoom video call with just he and I one-on-one looking at each other, would I be willing to take over his entire organization and become essentially the executive director? And I said, yes. Here's why this is important. Me becoming the executive director of the plant-based nutrition support group automatically positioned me to share the stage with these individuals who I had thought I previously was not worthy of sharing the stage with. Because I had been going to PBNSG events for over a year. I, I am the host of the PBNSG support group in my town in Detroit. So every month I host a plant-based nutrition support group in Detroit. Paul, the founder of this organization, came and saw me speak at my very first PBNSG event and he was blown away. A year later, during a casual conversation, he's asking me to take the entire organization over and run the day-to-day operations. This is important because I have been going to PBNSG events. Remember I said earlier, one of the ways that I've learned everything I've learned and met the speakers and bought the books and became familiar with these big names in plant-based medicine is because I go to a lot of their lectures. Well, PBNSG was specifically responsible for bringing these doctors in to speak. Paul has a direct relationship with these doctors. When I say direct relationship, I'm talking about cell phone numbers. I'm talking about first name basis. Hey, Bob, how are you? Okay. I'm talking about can call them and go off on them if he don't like something they do in, in, the, in the media or the public. Paul has a direct first name basis, cell phone number basis relationship with the doctors who I had learned from. And who I was going to medical school to impress. So when he asked me to take over this company, essentially he was handing me this Rolodex. 
literally guys just what's today I'm recording this on a Wednesday literally less than a week ago on Thursday I was on a zoom video meeting in a zoom video meeting with Rip Esselstyn he, if you don't know him, he's big in the plant-based world. He has a brand called Engine 2. He, they sell um, a lot of their products at Whole Foods. Um, he's huge in the plant-based world. He has a documentary on Netflix. I'm literally sitting on a call with him. Hey, Rip, all right, we're all talking. Kick. Literally, last month at PBNSG, we bought in a big doctor who is huge in the plant-based world named Dr. Michael Greger. Michael Greger literally travels the world, not just the country. He travels the world and speaks on plant-based medicine, plant-based nutrition. He's the founder of a website called nutritionfacts.org, which is a prestigious website that basically provides evidence of how a plant-based diet can, you know, cure and reverse, you know, chronic disease. And so Dr. Greger is the author of several books, How Not to Die, How Not to Diet. He's just like world-renowned in the plant-based world. We brought him in, in, in at PBNSG in January, literally just last month. And I got a book and I went up to him to have him sign it. I put my hand out to introduce myself. And he said, oh, you're Lisa? Oh my God. Paul has told me so much about you. I am so proud, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what? You know my name. I'm coming up to get your signature. And he gave me a big hug. We took a picture together. We're laughing together. He's like, oh my God, Paul has been ratting and raving about you. I'm like, oh my God, Dr. Gregor knows who I am, right? Let me keep going because it's getting good. <laughs> Literally this year in 2020 in May, there's a huge conference called the Plant-Based Prevention of Disease Conference. It's an annual conference that is about, well, it's in the name, Plant-Based Prevention of Disease Conference. So it's a huge conference. I was at the conference last year in Raleigh, North Carolina. This year in 2020 is the first year the conference is going to be in Michigan. It's going to be on the campus at Eastern Michigan University. I received an email from this conference asking me, Come on, come on, y'all, I'm about to tear up. Asking me to be a speaker. I am going to be on stage with some of the biggest names in plant-based medicine as Lisa A. Smith, a lowly entrepreneur, certified plant-based nutrition. I don't have an MD, a DO, a PhD, nothing that warns me a doctor. However, I am going to be on stage, on the same stage which er with every single one of those speakers. When I say this Peapot conference is huge, it's a three-day conference. Like, like I said, I went last year. And all the big names in plant-based medicine are at this conference. It's one of those conferences where the doctors and nurses and healthcare providers in attendance get CEUs for coming. So like the ticket is hundreds of dollars and, you know, it's a, at a nice venue and it's all these like, super intellectual sounding talks all weekend and I'm one of the speakers there as first of all I'm the only black female speaker there I want to be clear about that first of all but I'm 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 there without the doctor in front of or behind my name and I'm there with that because I left medical school I'm there because I left medical school, medical school because when I left I got back in alignment in my life 
and started operating back in my gift of speaking, teaching, and coaching. And when I did that, I was then positioned to be offered the role as executive director of this organization, which again is on a first name basis with everybody that I was th- was trying to impress by getting a medical degree. And now I'm emailing back and forth with these guys. You know, one of them just sent me his book, you know, Hey Lisa, what's your address? I want to send you my new book. It's not out yet. You know, take a look at it. And then I'll see you in Michigan when I get there to speak. I'm like, Oh my God, Neil Bernard just emailed me and asked me for my, my address. Like guys, obedience Operating in obedience, operate in obedience, and a butler will appear. When I operated in obedience, Paul appeared. Paul is my butler. He opened the door for me to be able to stand on the stage with these people whom I thought I had to go spend 10 years in school and probably half a million in debt to impress. When I got back in alignment. Okay, so I can't tell you how important it is for you to understand that everything you do and every decision you make needs to be in alignment with who you truly truly are and what your gifts truly are. Never do anything because your industry, your culture, your family and friends says it should look this way. This lesson, the second lesson, I'm, the second and final lesson I'm going to give you under this particular failure is life expectancy. So in my farm to table course, which is my um, signature plant-based nutrition course, in the very final class in week six, I tell them about something called life expectancy. Now, in week one in this course, we talk about life expectancy, but we're talking about it from a how long you're going to live standpoint, like life expectancy, 77, life expectancy, 97, how long you're expected to live based on X, Y, and Z. But in week six in my course, I talk about the aspect of life expectancy again, but this time I talk about it in this way. Life expectancy is not about how long you're going to live but it's about what you expect out of life versus what life expects out of you. And so what I tell my students is always operate with a high level of integrity and based on your own expectations for yourself and your gifts. You do not want to operate. What I was doing when I applied at Wayne State University and enrolled in classes and took out a loan is that I was operating based on life's expectations and not Lisa's expectations. I was operating. I was looking at my industry and I said to myself, you will not succeed at a high level if you don't go get the credentials they have. It doesn't matter that you've never never had an interest in medicine. And it doesn't matter that you don't even have the academic background for medicine. So you really got to start from scratch. All I knew is everybody I was looking at had this and I had to go get that so that I could be with them. 
And that's 100% untrue. I was operating out of alignment. I was being disobedient. And therefore, I was trying to create my own opportunities, not realizing that my opportunities would be presented to me on a platter with absolutely no obstacles as long as I stayed in alignment. So once I stopped going to school and once I, you know, jumped back head first into running my companies, the Black Health Academy, Professionally Fit, and my speaking career, which, you know, every stage I was taking, I was grabbing a mic and talking about nutrition. Paul saw that and he decided He decided I was qualified and he was my butler. Let me tell you something. Nobody in life can get anywhere without the assistance of somebody else. Somebody has opened a door for you. You've had one, maybe two, maybe multiple butlers in your life. And one day, if you do this thing right, you will be a butler for somebody else. But that's only if both of you guys are in alignment. So life expectancy is not about how long you're going to live. But it's about operating based on what you expect out of life and not what life expects out of you. That's all I got for y'all today, guys. That is the third installment in this hidden podcast series entitled Obedience. I will be back next month, March 2020, with another episode. I hope this has been useful to you. Feel free to drop me an email. Hello at LisaAngelSmith.com. Or, you know, hop on social media. I'm at Lisa Angel Smith on Facebook and Instagram and tell me what you thought about this episode. Me and Jay will be back with another cackling episode sooner than later. Until next time, take care.